0: The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 417 for June 1st, 2014. Apple announces a multi billion dollar Beats audio purchase. LG announces its flagship G3 smartphone and explaining DBM readings. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Koppis. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8. One dollar and 99 cents. Well, first this week, Apple on Wednesday announcing it has agreed to acquire Beats Music and Beats Electronics for three billion dollars. Beats Music will be folded into Apple's own music offerings. And the deal also includes Beats by Dr. Dre, a headphone and portable speaker company. Beats executives Andy Reid and Jimmy... Uh, Levine, uh will join Apple or Iovine excuse me uh, the deal is subject to regulatory approval Apple expects to close the acquisition in the fourth quarter of the year and uh, as of right now the acquisition uh, has Beats iOS's app now updated and there is new pricing and an extended trial to all users this is up from the previous free seven day trial Beats Music now offers a no strings attached trial for 14 days to all users the annual price for the service has also been reduced it's now down from $120 a year down to ninety nine dollars a year. Also, uh, just announced here over the weekend, Beats owned MOG streaming service has been shut down, so MOG uh, is no longer available. Now, uh, we talked about this, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, and the interesting thing is, obviously, this is not just about uh, acquiring a bunch of headphones. This is about technology. This is about uh, a brand. This is about all sorts of different things. And and uh, we we saw this one, um, you know, coming as like I said, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, and it's finally here. Three billion dollars one of the biggest acquisitions Apple's ever done yeah it's a
1: big acquisition it really is but it it, 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 we, it will have to really see how they tie it in but I think it is a good strategy for them because they've got a, a, a they've got the streaming music that they've got uh, they, they've got a brand to put to it now so just iTunes radio iTunes is getting a little long in the tooth here and, and you're, you're, you're you're referring to a software package as a radio and the music all you're thinking of is downloading music when you think of iTunes and this in this you know goofy utility you use to play music or to you know, manage your iOS device. So let's get this separated into its you know beat streaming, and then we've got the the hardware to match. You know the, the the audio quality, the 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 good stuff to go with with their you know devices and their music devices. So let's uh you know we've got some
0: good uh, synergy here. I think between the two, I think so too. And I'm I'm really hoping to see something. At WWDC, which kicks off this week, the, the keynote for the show is tomorrow, Monday, June second, um, And uh, I'm expecting at least a nod to what has happened with beats to uh, to be mentioned there at the show, and maybe even something more where they're, you know, they've been working on this and, and planning to integrate this and finally, now announcing it last week will uh, be the kind of the preface to the actual integration of any sort of services that we see this week.
1: Well, and who'd have ever thought that Dr. Dre would be an executive at Apple? I mean, really. If you go back to the, you know, 1994 uh The Chronic and, you know, <laughs> think of that, think of that music and think of that era and now look at uh look at him now. So it's a pretty amazing uh, you know, pretty pretty amazing change and also, you know, the music uh, you know, the music talent that comes with Dr. Dre and uh Jimmy with this uh, you know, what they can see as far as music goes. I think It will really give Apple a different uh, perspective on music itself, you know, not just for streaming services, but for maybe even becoming uh, a label themselves where they cut out the middleman, they cut out the distributor, and they make full money on those, uh, on the artists they start producing, you know, kind of like how Netflix uh, now makes their own shows like House of Cards and the the few others that they do. So uh, I think Apple could be looking at that. Uh, direction for music and and maybe streaming exclusively, you know, doing something like that to kind of change up the market again, uh,
0: like what they did with the the iTunes and the download uh, music. Well, it's a it's a service music that is that has been offered by Apple and has been at the forefront of Apple products uh, for now close to fifteen years. And there's a, a good amount of interest that is still there, and people still do like to own and buy music. Streaming services have certainly taken um, you know kind of taken a front seat to a lot of uh, the different you know kind of traditional ways of owning music. But at the same time, there are going to still be uh, there's still a lot of room to grow here. And I think Apple has doing has done a good job of trying to put themselves at the forefront of this with some of the ideas that they've had and the technology that they've tried to, to place forth. So I think it's a very exciting move, too.
1: It is. And, you know, Apple has oftentimes, you know, gone on record saying, you know, we're, we're, we're cannibalizing our current You know, iPod sales with the introduction of the of the iPhone and the iPad, you know, sometimes takes away some of their iPhone devices uh, sales. So, you know, they're not afraid of doing that. And I think that this could be the strategy designed to, you know, transition from the iTunes and the current model that we've been used to for the 15 years now to the next
0: generation of uh, Apple music. Yeah. That's an interesting, interesting thought too. I, I I have a, just a, as a quick aside to this, I, you know, I love streaming services. I have for many years. I, I, I getting kind of frustrated with managing music or i had and so that's why i switched over but at the same time i'm i'm now finding myself uh with a limitation of streaming services that is uh is frustrating me and that is that i I like streaming music when i'm in the car because i can just set a station i don't have to think about anything else and just go and as i want to switch tracks i just hit the button on the the stereo and i'm good to go but the problem that I'm facing here, and that is is that uh, the LTE service of Verizon has been so slow in many areas that I've been that I cannot stream music. It just is not working and whether it's the the iTunes application or the slacker application or what it is I'm not able to change tracks appropriately or it'll stutter it'll pause I mean I haven't really experienced this in I can't even tell you how many years and now we've got I've I've got this issue here uh, because of just how saturated LTE is in and keep in mind this is a an issue that I'm dealing with I know it's my area and and whatnot but uh, but it's frustrating and so I'm now thinking back to how can I listen to music and that could be potentially putting music on on my phone so that I can stream it directly, you know, locally, and I don't have to deal with pulling it out uh, over, you know, over the cloud. So I don't know. I'm, uh, but I'm not, I'm not doing anything yet. I'm not signing up for any services or anything else until we see what this is going to potentially do, because obviously with the the Apple hardware uh, that both Joey, you and I own, it's it's obviously wanting to, to find as integrated as a solution as possible. So anyway, so we'll see how this goes. And uh, big news, of course, we'll sure to be reporting on next week that gets announced this week. Next up, Motorola on Friday announcing that it will be closing the Fort Worth factory that it used to assemble custom Moto X handsets by the end of the year. Motorola opened the plant a year ago and employed about 4,000 people. The factory allowed Motorola to offer four-day turnaround times on Moto X handsets created using the online Moto Maker tool. Now, according to Motorola, slow sales of the Moto X meant the company never achieved the economic scale it needed to operate the plant. Motorola will continue to make the Moto X at facilities located in Brazil and China lenovo is in the process of acquiring motorola from google the sale is expected to be completed by the end of the year it was certainly a uh a worthwhile experiment i guess they could well i don't know if they'd they
1: call it worthwhile but uh it was something that uh it needed to be done something different out there where you know let's make make it in the usa make it short turn i'll make it custom i mean this was kind of the first foray into that and uh it, it, it did fail miserably, and not to really anybody's major uh, uh, disappointment here, because it just it, it just still that device still just didn't
0: have the the grip like Samsung does on the Android side of things. Yeah, and I I'll, I'll be honest, I had the Moto X for quite a while, and I did like it, and uh, it was it was one of those devices that I, I really felt like could you know really kind of go toe to toe with some of the best devices that are out there, and it was not the topest uh, the top specs that are out there, and that was I think one of the best things about it is that it showed that we're at a point right now where you can grab some very very good components put them together in a package that is really all about the, the you know the customization and you know having a good form factor that people like and you're going to create a great product and people are hopefully going to buy it however the problem i think that they faced was just that that customization side of thing while great and a lot of people used it wasn't they, they couldn't get the scale that i think they thought they were going to get
1: yeah. And it's a, uh, it's probably an experiment before it's time. I would imagine we'll be back to building smartphones in the U.S. here at some point in the future because of lead times, because of delivery, because of customizations, but I think they're
0: they're probably actually a little ahead of the curve, really. Hmm. That's an interesting uh, way to put it as well, and uh, either way, it's not like the Moto X is going away. It'll still be made, just not uh, in the same way that it was before, i.e. here in the States, and uh, it'll take a little bit longer to get uh, if you're deciding to order a custom one as well. Following last week's announcement of the XLTE Network by Verizon an infographic published by the carrier provides additional details of the offering from the carrier it now says that there are 28 lte devices that are x lte ready meaning those that operate on both the 1.7 and 2.2 gigahertz aws spectrum as well as of course the traditional 700 megahertz lte spectrum verizon has activated service on the spectrum in more than 250 markets across 44 states meaning it's available to about half of the operators 500 lte markets the company noted it has committed 9.4 billion dollars In a 2013 to capital projects that helped out them expand their nationwide network, including the regular 4G 700 megahertz network, and now the LTE. Uh, XLTE network. They say their plan is to anticipate and stay ahead of demand, and they're doing that with XLTE. And they say that the promise of the 5 to 12 megabits per second down and 2 to 5 megabits per second up hasn't changed. And uh, Verizon has been alleviating the spectrum crunch in many markets by activating service on that AWS spectrum. That includes a 10 by 10 megahertz spectrum block that it bought from cable operators for $4 billion a couple of years back. And then in 2013, uh, they are also talking about how they're operating 40 megahertz that's 20 by 20 aws spectrum wherever it can including every every major city east of the mississippi and several markets such as san francisco and la out west Now, according to sources familiar with the situation, Germany's Deutsche Telekom is willing to keep a minority stake in a deal to sell T-Mobile US to Japan's SoftBank. Other details, though, such as the price and financing are still to be worked out. SoftBank owns a majority of Sprint, while Deutsche Telekom owns 67% of T-Mobile. Currently, T-Mobile has a market value of $27.6 billion and is the fourth largest US wireless carrier. On Thursday, Kyoto News Agency reported that Deutsche Telekom has agreed to a soft bank plan to purchase uh, T-Mobile, but sources told Reuters that while the two sides are keen to get a deal done, the transaction is complicated, including the issue of getting regulatory approval. It would reduce the number of major U.S. mobile competitors from three to four. The sources said no decision, though, was imminent. In device news, LG on Tuesday announcing the LG G3. This is a flagship smartphone for 2014 from the Korean carrier or Korean manufacturer. Like the G2 and the G Flex before it, the G3 follows similar design language with the defining feature being the quad HD, that's 2560 by 1440 resolution display. At 5.5 inches across, the pixel density comes in at 538 pixels per inch. The G3 has a metallic but plastic rear cover to boost the visual and tactile appeal. Like the G2, the volume toggle and home buttons are placed on the back of the phone rather than the sides. LG claims this makes the buttons more natural to use when the device is held in the hand.
1: So that point right there, moving the buttons, you know, it sounds kind of silly, uh, but upon thinking about it these devices are getting so wide and they're so thin they're hard to hold on to and then of course activating those buttons while you're trying to hold on to it becomes actually very challenging so moving these but you know the buttons were on the side when you had big fat thick devices you know i'm thinking of the palm central where you could it was kind of like holding on to something really thick and easy then it's easy to manipulate the buttons on it but when you're getting these really thin things the buttons just stop making sense on the sides like that along the edges and of course it makes it just kind of a you know stranger shape so i kind of like that idea and then of course that screen i mean how what can you say about that having that many pixels the same as your 27 inch imac uh, thunderbolt display in something 5.5 inches
0: i mean that's just eye
1: candy all the way
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And I'm really interested in uh, in seeing what this type of display looks like and and what that kind of pixel density looks like. And I mean, that's that's to me, that's the future is is seeing these just absolutely almost just buttery, clear, smooth displays. I mean, it's just just unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the thing with the, uh, you know, 538 pixels per inch, you know, 600 DPI is what, you know typical laser printers were uh, they moved to back in about 1992 or three up from like the 300 that they were and then you know 150 uh, by 150 before that but now most laser printers are 1200 and there's you know many that go well beyond that and and, in high quality printing you know, exceeds that, I think, by quite a bit. And I think they're in the 6,000 range. So, you know, literally our eyes can see a lot more than what uh, Apple led you to believe with the first,
0: you know, uh, iPhone Retina display. Yeah, and I, it's obviously a great, uh, it's a great thing to, to see that we've got the technology available to put these number of pixels into a display of this size and to make it somewhat efficient. Because that's the other thing is that, you know, they probably could have made these five years ago, but there's no battery in the world that could run it for a whole day. Yeah, I mean, that
1: that is what's really staggering is that 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 the not only display in 5.5 inches that they can make the pixels that freaking tiny and and still control it, but do it on a mobile device that's battery powered and and actually be able to drive many pixels with, you know, a graphics processor. I mean, computers of not only that, uh, uh, you know, not many that many years ago could even drive a display that big.
0: Yeah, that's 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 an unbelievable feat uh, in and of itself. That that is for sure. Back to the specs here. The G3 has a 13 megapixel camera aided by optical image stabilization, laser assist autofocus, and dual LED flash. The device has a 2.1 megapixel user facing camera with wide aperture. The G3 is powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon 801 processor with four cores at 2.5 gigahertz each. The device will come in multiple configurations with respect to memory, including two gigs and three gig models uh, for memory. Uh, The internal storage will range between 16 and 32 gigs The G3 has a built-in 1 watt speaker with boost amp for improved sound reproduction The sound has a 3000 milliamp hour battery that is removable and it supports wireless charging The G3 runs Android 4.4.2 KitKat and includes a new redesigned user interface from LG That is flatter and more closely resembles that of native Android Some of the software features include a kill switch that owners can use to disable the device Knock code for personal device security Security, content lock to secure and protect individual files as well as smart keyboard for adaptive lear- learning of an owner's typing habits and a smart notice personal assistant the g 3 supports global lte networks and will be sold by all four major u.s carriers starting in june and will be sold in multiple colors AT&T and Samsung on Friday announcing the Galaxy S5 Active this is a ruggedized version of Samsung's flagship smartphone for 2014 the GS5 Active features many of the GS5 specs including the 5.1 inch HD screen a 2.5 gigahertz quad core processor 16 megapixel camera and a a built in heart rate monitor with S Health software the GS5 Active has been wrapped in a tougher exterior to provide extra protection from the elements the GS5 Active meets mil spec 810G meaning it can withstand high heat, extreme cold, shock, vibration, high altitude, and humidity. The GS5 Active can also sit in up to three feet of water for up to 30 minutes. The Galaxy S5 Active costs $200 with a new contract and can be ordered online and bought in stores right away. Just one software story today, BlackBerry announcing this week that BlackBerry Messenger version 2.2 is coming to Android and iOS. BBM 2.2 doesn't add any new features, but does streamline the app's behavior and also creates new accounts, uh, makes creating new accounts simpler and also simplifies the friending process. BBM 2.2 is available for Android devices immediately and will come to iOS devices starting this week. Now, a couple of great questions this week. The first one here comes to us from John. He says, Mickey and Joey, you two mentioned on the last show, uh, mentioned it on the last show, but could you explain in more detail what a ping means uh, when you do a speed test and what do you mean, uh, do you want it to be higher or lower? Also, I use root metrics for my speed test for the call quality, and it also has a DBM acronym beneath the icon. What does that stand for or what does it mean? Uh, Also, what would be considered a good ping and DBM score? Thank you for the help john all right john these are great questions uh and uh, so let's let's address the first one here which is the ping and this is something that we talk about when we talk about speed tests uh, primarily so a ping test determines the speed in which uh, a device, and in this case your phone, can communicate with another computer or server over the internet. So if a network communication is established, ping tests determine the connection latency or delay between those two devices. So generally a ping, the time from which that request is sent from one device and when it is received from the other device of under 100 milliseconds is acceptable for most communications protocols on LTE. That also offers a decent user experience when you're doing things like voice over LTE calls and, and what now, when testing wired broadband connections, pings can be as slow as single digits, but generally range somewhere between the 15 and 50 millisecond range. Now for a perspective on this, 3G network pings were in the 2 to 300 millisecond range, which is about two to three times longer than LTE. And actually, you know, when I was just about uh,
1: done with Sprint there a couple of years ago, their pings were well beyond 500 typically on their EVDO network and sometimes even eight and sometimes even uh, an entire second. For their latency, which was just basically unusable, so that's what it really means. And and also you have to keep in mind that the, the the server you're communicating with, you know, typically like speedtest.net for example, and a lot of these other ones will grab a server that's closest to you. And the reason is that the further physically uh, that you get away from you, the more and more uh, hops it has to make. If you make a if you do a trace route on your computer, you can actually see that the path that's traveling uh, through the internet and there's some. Gra- Graphical ones, you can go to a website and see the graphical trace route, all the different server hops and the different router hops that it has to make. And every single time your packet, your request goes through different hops between your networks, it adds time to that uh, travel. So it depends on the router you have at home. If you're on your home Wi-Fi and you need to do the speed test on your on your uh, uh, on your phone, you actually have to allow for time for your router uh, to process that request. Your cable one has to process that request. The uh, the, the, the cable modem uh, or the cable company's system, then they've got to go out to the internet, then they've got to go, they've got internal servers. I mean, it goes and goes and goes. It, it hits many, many different connections along there. And sometimes this, uh, you know, the number that you see isn't really accurate of your actual wireless connection between, you know, Verizon and your phone. I mean, it can be misleading
0: depending on the source that you're going to for your speed test. Well, it's a it's a it's good to kind of clarify all of that because it's it is interesting when you go to one of these applications in um, the app itself, the speed test app actually automatically chooses for you where it should be going. But when you go to when you go to the website, you can go in and choose. And I guess you can through the app, too, but you can choose if you want to go to a different one. And if, as Joey mentions, if you go to one that's further physically away from you, it does generally take longer. And It's not a long time, but I mean, it's five milliseconds, 10 milliseconds you know 20 milliseconds more and it just has to do with yeah the more physical pieces of hardware that that packet is hitting before it's getting to its final destination
1: and like you mentioned you know for wired ethernet like if you've got you know two computers at home that are connected directly to each other with a switch uh, I mean your your pings are you know two milliseconds I mean it's uh, sometimes even unmeasurable where it's you know a,
0: a millisecond that they
1: can communicate with each other
0: yeah and that's that's a good point i i have seen i think something as low as like five milliseconds before um it was at i think it was at a sailor conference probably ces where they just had this direct connection to uh the local telco which maybe had the speed test software on it or, or server being hosted on it or something. i mean it was some crazy thing um but it was it was also a wired connection that was was allowing me to do it as well so there's some interesting stuff there that uh you know where you you can see this stuff uh get really low but generally when i do it it's it's somewhere on my home connection it's somewhere usually around 30 milliseconds 20 to 30 milliseconds and when i do it on on lte it's usually around 100
1: yeah and i'm sorry i i'm communicating with the router right now just a a a ping
0: on my computer here to my router and it's 0.2 milliseconds i get locally 0.2 milliseconds. So there you go. So that's it's obviously very very uh, quick. You know when you're doing this stuff. So think about that as you're as you're doing these tests. So the next piece of this that you asked here, John, and this is actually one of the more interesting things in in, in my mind. Uh, it's something that I've been following forever, and that is DBM, and and this is an abbreviation for the power ratio in decibels or dB of the measured power reference to one milliwatt. So it is a it's used to measure the absolute power with a numerical value that's comparable to others. And so when we talk about these, they're always in negative numbers. And so the closer to zero that you get, the better. Um, So a signal of negative 60 dBm is is truly nearly perfect. Um, And a negative 112 dBm or negative 115 dBm is going to get you to kind of a a call dropping bad uh, area. So you've got a range there of about 60 dBm in the measurements scale um, to to go off of the average is somewhere between 85 and 90 negative 85 and 90 dbm android phones will report four uh, full signal bars when you're at negative 87 and iphone reports two bars as an example when dbm is around negative 100 or negative 105 Um, and uh, i can tell you that uh, if you stand very very close to a tower i've stood literally right next to antenna before where i've had the phone within feet of of uh, one of these antennas and i've seen in the the negative 30s so that's about as good as you're ever going to get and that's why i say negative 60 is nearly perfect uh i've seen negative 50s if you're like if you if you see a tower and you go into a parking lot and you sit kind of underneath or right around the tower it'll be in the negative 50s uh but really expect negative 80s negative 90s in most cases
1: yeah and that's like i've been in the mall where they've obviously had like micro cells within the mall and i've seen that same yeah negative 50 uh range Yeah.
0: yeah so anything though really in the negative eighty ranges is going to be pretty darn good, and you're going to be happy with that. It's uh, in fact anything less than negative one hundred really is going to be just fine. And don't don't go too crazy with this because there's there's only so much you can do. And, and really, what are you going to do if your service is not good? You're either going to get a signal booster or it's not working at all. But it either works or it doesn't, and it's going to give you the experience you want or it doesn't.
1: Yeah, and that's what's interesting about digital. I mean, it, it, and of course it's it is it's either working or it isn't. But of course, if you're on one of those. Free- areas it sometimes works sometimes doesn't so that's where it gets frustrating is when you're right on that border between working and not working and you can move to a different room in your house and then it starts working and you move two feet over it stops working that's where it's frustrating unlike you know an old style analog radio fm radio where it starts getting staticky but you can still hear it perfectly good but whereas when you're on digital system like you know your cell phones are it's all or nothing
0: and the the other part of that is is the the better signal that you have the the lower the number generally the faster the the speed uh, is going to be on the data side just because that signal is is better so keep that in mind as well next up here today is a voicemail from josh
2: hey mickey and joey this is josh recording from denver on my iphone 5s hey so um i listened to the last show and heard joey's comments about the iphone 5s well, I went from an iPhone 5 to a 5S, and I think you need a little bit more than a week, and the only reason why I say that is because when I, once I got my 5, I was thinking the same thing Joey did, that I can't believe I upgraded, it doesn't really do that much, you know, that type of thing. But I'm really into fitness, so the M7 processor works really well for me, um... And that combined with my Pebble watch. And then also the other thing, the Touch ID is incredible. At first, it, it's, it is kind of clunky and slow, and that's because the Touch ID is learning how you use the phone and your fingers. Um, I've got both of my thumbs programmed into it, and it works awesome. Um, I can actually open my phone a lot faster than my wife can swiping and putting in her ID or even swiping. It's it has become that fast for me. I just put my finger on it and it's open instantly. Um, and that just comes with time with, with the touch ID learning learning about you. Um, so that's that's my first comment. The second comment is the Verizon um, XLTE. Wow, it's here in Denver too and it is doing wonders for my confidence in Verizon again. I am pretty happy with it, speeds are back to where they should be, I'm not dropping calls as much, I don't know if it actually has anything to do with the call thing, but I'm assuming it must help in some respects. The only thing I'm lacking though is just on my 5S, Um, I'm really hoping that they get voice and data uh, working at the same time with this next iPhone. If not, I might have to go back to AT&T just for that feature, um, just because of my work and everything. but as always, I love the show. Um, I would, I do have a question for the two of you. If you could only pick five third-party apps to use on your phone, so that's anything other than what's already installed, like the, the phone app and the messages app, stuff like that, what would you pick? Um, and I also would love to hear your predictions for um, WDDC. Thank you very much. Have a good one.
0: Josh, thank you very much for the voicemail. Let's, uh, let's take each of these one by one and, and go back to your first comment about uh, the 5S. And uh, so, Joey, uh, basically, Josh is saying, you know, you've got to give it a little bit more time here. So another weekend uh, using the 5S, has your opinion changed at all about uh, how you're using it or what the Touch ID has done for your life? Not really, actually. It, it it's it is handy to be able to press the the finger and get it to unlock, but
1: still, I, you know, I'm I'm still using my iPad with the the uh, the numbers, and I still find that actually quicker t- to unlock the device still. So uh, not yet. I wish there was that it it would be great if it didn't have that uh, uh, removal of the delay where I needed to enter the passcode. Or the Touch ID every single time the device gets locked on the iPad. I have you know 15 minutes set until I need the uh, the passcode to go in. So uh, what you brought up is the. Uh, using the, the the fitness applications, that's actually very interesting. I have not used anything uh,
0: along that line
1: with the new processor that's built into the 5S. and I completely forgot about that aspect to it.
0: Yeah, and I and I actually had as well, and tried to use uh, an application this week. It was through a uh, it was through Runkeeper, and I don't remember what it's called, but it was an application that basically allowed for kind of life logging, life tracking type of stuff, and it could, you know, basically use it, run in the background and use the information of uh, where you are um, based on that co-processor that they have in there to, uh, to to be able to take advantage of that. So it was kind of interesting stuff, but it doesn't work with the 5, so I couldn't use it. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe with the next, whatever next phone I get, this will work. Obviously, they'll have the same type of stuff built into it. So anyway, um, so that's that. So sorry, Josh, no dice. Joey's still not 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 buying in on this uh, with <laughs> with the Touch ID. But anyway, uh, on your XLTE comments here, uh, glad to hear it's working out well for you in Denver uh, that you've got the better speeds. As far as fewer drop costs, Calls, you know, I suppose that there's going to be a certain aspect to this that's also going to help, just because you've got an additional network that's there to help to to offload and, and manage some of the data and stuff like that. But the calls themselves today are still going through the EVDO network, and they're still being man- Sorry, not the EVDO, but the CDMA network, and still being managed by the uh, by that network. though and so you're not going to find that at. Today, any calls are going to be having LTE is going to be doing anything really specifically for those calls. But either way, uh, in the future, certainly they will as we move over to voice over LTE. All right. So your questions here, the first one um, that you mentioned was what are the top five third party apps? If we could only choose five third party apps, what would they be? Uh, so here are mine. So I'm, I'm looking here at uh, both of my iOS devices. And uh, I have various things on them. So I use certain things on the iPad, certain things on the iPhone. But I will tell you, these are the top ones that I just, if all I could do, this is it. Evernote. I use the heck out of Evernote. Um, I've got close to 5,000 notes in Evernote at this point. Feedly, uh, which is my news reader service, I could probably figure out a way to, and I have tried in the past, to manage news feeds uh, through email or or some other way of doing it, but it's just not as convenient as having a dedicated app because the priority is just so much less than email and it, it just clogging up your inbox with news is is not not my favorite type of thing to do so anyway so there's feedly uh then uh netflix i watch a ton of stuff on netflix and, and a lot of it really on the iPad, and so I, w- I would absolutely put that on there uh, for communication stuff. The Verizon Messages application, just specifically because I'm on Verizon, I would uh, I would put that on it. Now, granted, that is a, an iPad only thing. I don't have that on the iPhone, of course, because I don't need it on there. And finally, Dropbox for access to uh, to applications and files. So. So
1: that's an interesting list. Yeah, you're right about the iPad versus iPhone. I wouldn't put the Netflix on the iPhone, but I on the iPad. That's like a hundred percent. I mean, that's just uh, that's what the the iPad is for, kind of in my mind in, in many respects. But uh, Evernote, I have to completely agree with you. Dropbox, uh, not so much on the phone, on the iPad, absolutely uh feedly i use that constantly on the iphone and both the ipad uh other apps that you didn't mention was like google maps that would be something very mm. critical on the iphone uh that you know mapping applications really uh really really important for me on the on the phone itself uh, a few other things uh, you know like the calculator i use a, an hp style calculator app on the iphone that uh it's very indispensable have to use that uh, i've got a uh an application that uh you know, keeps my notes in sync from my exchange server. That's really, really handy to have. Obviously, not so much with Evernote, but I'm still uh, still haven't transitioned
0: fully over. Obviously, there's lots of other little apps, but I think that's pretty much my top five. So and, and like Joey, um, I use Google Maps, but I would I would argue that I could if I absolutely needed to get by with Apple Maps and I do use Apple Maps, you know, from time to time as well. So um, I, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call that an essential one in my mind. Uh,
1: you know, for me, it's still it's still essential just because it, there's a there's a lot more to it, like the transit information, like there's mm. bus stops, there's there's transit times there's schedules all put in there. And, and Apple can't even touch that uh, right at this moment. And it's it's been improving a lot, but uh, I, I still think that would be pretty much a good way to go. And and obviously, I mean, that's why there's so many apps. And that's why this platform is doing so well is, you know, there's so many really good weather applications uh, and things like that. I On my iPad, I use the Sirius streaming uh, frequently. And, you know, it, the list can just go on. We could talk all day, uh, really, about the apps. Because it, it's really staggering when I go into to restart the iPad or, or in the iPhone every once in a while, how many apps are open. Because you go through and close mm-hmm. them all before it helps, you know, free them up and free up some memory. And, and, and sometimes I'm just amazed at how many applications I have opened, even just in a week or two.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, one of the things that I, when I do is I go and I close those, is I make note of the ones that I actually still want running so that when I do, do the the restart of the phone, then I go back and open those up. So uh, Dropbox is one of them, and I, I would argue that you say on the iPad but not on the phone. I use it actually more on the iPad because or on the iPhone because of the photo backing up capabilities of it. And uh, in fact, I had and I know you you don't use it, but I i tell you this is really really important uh, to me just because of the flakiness of the iCloud photos backup. And in fact, I've I've got my wife hooked on this as well too. Uh, She's been uh, doing some computer work where she's had to get access to the photos basically in real time as she's taking them. And so she's been just using the heck out of this where she'll go and take a bunch of photos and just go, you know, open up the Dropbox application. And all you have to do is really open it up and then you can close it and it uploads everything. And by the time she gets back to the computer from the other side of the house, all the photos are there waiting for her on Dropbox. And it's just it's so handy to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, I did that tonight. I had to send an email to somebody, and I'd taken some screenshots on the iPhone uh, of some error messages I was getting. And literally, I'd yeah, it hit open Dropbox. It starts uploading the pictures, and then I could you know attach them right to my email because I wasn't uh you know because that's the quickest way to do it.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's probably one of the the most exciting things uh, about. Dropbox on the iPhone is <laughs> so the fact that you can do that because I don't ever I, well, I shouldn't say ever I do access files on there that is that is absolutely the case but um, but for the most part it's it's all about the photos for me so if I could and, and I wish like the android side of things they could make it so that there was it was hooked in better uh, into the background application process because it still seems to be relying on location changing before it will upload things and it's just annoying i mean on android it is literally instantaneous all the time it works just flawlessly
1: And the problem with that location-based thing is you're probably leaving your wi-fi connection when you're doing that and that's what uh, drives me crazy about it is that i mean that's where you would really want it is when you're you know, at a place where you're taking pictures with Wi-Fi there. So it should, you know, be able to, to upload the pictures automatically. But of course, that's uh, what we're
0: stuck with right now. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it is unfortunate, but that's, that's what we've got. So uh, finally, uh, just want to answer for Josh here. We have his question about WWDC and uh, what is going to be happening here. Now granted, by the time a lot of you are listening to this, the keynote is either going to have occurred or is about to occur or whatever uh, because it is tomorrow, June 2nd Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific uh, which is just a short 14 hours from the time of this recording and uh, but let's nonetheless let's talk about some predictions just to see how we do so um, I think we're going to see a new iOS and uh, also a new Mac OS Uh, let's talk about iOS because that's really the more Important thing here. So, um, as we've seen a lot of leaks here, I do believe health is going to be an important piece of this, and so we're going to see this health book uh, and also some other health and fitness information type of things that are being tracked. I don't know, Joey, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be part of it. It, it seems to make sense um, to, to, to branch into that. I mean, why not? I mean, this—we've got these uh, unbelievably powerful computers with us that are full of sensors in their own right let's take it a few steps further we can really uh, really expand our our I don't know if, uh, how to describe it but our like day-to-day medical health our, our kind of our uh, normal state of the body instead of just when you go to the doctor you can I mean we can kind of start moving this to a constant sampling of of uh, of how we're working and 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 how our bodies are functioning and I mean, this could literally in, in, in upcoming years lead to unbelievable amount of research with this, you know, big data, quote unquote, where you can really look at, you know, trends and look at things. So I do think this is kind of the, the wave of the future. And, in, in, you know, cellular and portable computing is becoming more and more prevalent in the healthcare industry in general as well. So, uh, I mean, take that, take that uh, aspect out of it. Even, you know, we've got the, you know, the Fitbit trends and, and all this stuff, it really does. Uh, it, it just
0: does make sense. I think so, and I, you know, I think this is going to be one of the bigger focuses that they have uh, at, you know, when they're starting to talk about what the stuff that it is that they're doing with it. Because obviously, iOS seven brought the complete redesign of uh, you know, the design language for it and so we're not going to see something that drastic again so they're going to have to focus on the services or the apps that they're offering here and so I, I think that's part of it um, I also think uh, maps is going to get a, a big redesign I think they just have you know they want to get as far away or distance themselves from maps and the kind of the old problematic stuff that they have there so I see some new mapping stuff happening there also uh, we talked about it earlier but something with iTunes radio possibly uh, with uh, whether or not beats stuff gets integrated with that and if we see something with the streaming music and beats uh, or possibly even separating the iTunes radio portion out from the music application. That would be fine by me. I I don't necessarily feel like they need to be together. uh, And so would love to would to would to see that uh, something like that happen, too.
1: Yeah, I'd like to be able to use that on my iPod touch that's stuck uh, stuck on iOS 6 because I mean, I wouldn't use it a lot, but I would definitely like to see that.
0: And why not? I mean, it's obviously that's a music device that is for consumption of media, and so you'd love to be able to do that. Totally get that. iOS in the home. Don't know a lot about this yet, but I've I've read a bunch of rumors of it. It sounds like they're going to be doing some sort of um, very specialized integration of of uh, the iOS and the iPhone specifically with stuff that occurs in your home.
1: Yeah, and I think that should uh, that that could happen as well because you know these uh, you know iPhones are increasingly becoming controllers or remotes of Stuff. Uh, you know, I've got a, uh, Uh, Recently, it changed the alarm company at the office and and, and it's a Honeywell system. So there's a Total Connect app and you can log in and arm and disarm your alarm. And I know a lot of people have the smart thermostats where it uses the same software. There's cameras. All this stuff is all integrated in that. I have a Western Digital Media Player here at home. I can pull up the app and control it with that. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, people have Sonos and that's controlled through your thing and and people just love that system. So it's becoming increasingly common to, to use your device for things like that. And, and of course, home automation to me is a market that is just ripe for uh, a company like Apple to come in and, and shake it up because it's been just it, it's horrible. It, it It's the promise sounds just amazing to people walk in the door, lights turn on. Uh, you walk into other rooms, it does this. It, it sounds great. And it has for you know 12 years. We had X10 systems that sounded great, but it never, ever works right. It, and, and, you know, there's extremely expensive systems that are installed in, uh, you know, high end houses and businesses and stuff. But, you know, let's bring something into the consumer level now where it actually does work and, uh, you know, something different. So to me, that seems pretty exciting, like it could be something we could see
0: and and something they could actually monetize and and make better. Yeah, and, and you, you hit the nail right on the head. There's so many things that are out there, so many systems that, that do a lot of these types of things, but none of them are, are really much good. And, and so would love to, to see what they can do and how they can you know, build some sort of uh, you know, architecture baseline, uh, some sort of SDK, uh, the underlying stuff that can help to support the rest of the stuff that gets built on top.
1: But honestly, I think that would be a you know, combination hardware and software thing,
0: not just software. Interesting. Okay, well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Next up, voiceover LTE support. Uh, This is coming. We just don't know when I'm not sure how this is going to be integrated, but uh, possibly part of the strategy that Apple looks towards with uh, everything else that's coming from the carriers later this year. And we won't see that because
1: that'll be part of the hardware. I don't think the current chipsets, I don't think the Qualcomm chipsets support that. So, uh, and I can be, I'm willing to bet we will not see that in the fall either for the upcoming iPhone devices. I don't think we'll see that until the following uh, year, just because of the way that Apple seems to usually be kind of one generation behind on these things, usually, not always,
0: but it kind of seems that way interesting yeah we'll see we'll see what happens there uh on the mac os side uh so os 10.10 look for mac os to see some flat design cues uh that uh, similar stuff that you see in ios to be present as well as uh i think really a complete redesign but uh we'll see what happens with that i you know th- this conference has really kind of morphed and it's it was a lot of you know obviously before the phone side it was it was all about the hardware side on and uh the software side that's then the hardware the software side on the desktop and they would announce new hardware at the at the shows as well and so i I do expect to hear a lot of stuff going on with mac os 10 uh tomorrow
1: and i saw a rumor that it could be called yosemite uh they they had some pictures they found so that could be a interesting uh long name to have to spell out mavericks is pretty easy but yosemite is a little bit harder to spell so i'm not looking forward to a year of seeing that um and and of course it, it is the developers conference so you know of course
0: software is really going to be the focus Yeah, exactly. Now, on the hardware side, uh, I do think we have the possibility of seeing some new computer hardware, a new Mac laptop, possibly an Air uh, is a remote possibility there, though I'm not completely convinced on that. Uh, Maybe a cheaper iMac, you know, they just dropped the prices on all the portables. And so maybe they're going to do that on the desktops now. Uh, One thing, and this is to my chagrin, just because I just bought a new Thunderbolt (laughs) display, I think they're going to announce a new Thunderbolt display, possibly with a Retina or a 4K display, which uh, sounds really, really great. And I don't know what I'm going to do because, like I said, I just bought a new one. But anyway, uh, also possibly an iWatch. I don't know. I think they're talking about some new exciting stuff, and and uh, that that is the the one thing that I think is the wild card. I know I would be all for hearing, you know, what they could potentially do with this to make it interesting and different than everyone else's uh, iWatch, uh, or excuse me, uh, connected watch, smart watch, if you will. That's that's really not been able to do anything or gain any traction. Uh, so anyway, so I'm, I'm excited to see if they can do anything with that. So I kind of don't think we're going to see any of that stuff. I think, uh, you know, (laughs) at the
1: most we'd maybe see uh some computers it seems like they don't announce a lot of uh any hardware with the exception of some of them some of the mac models at, at this conference and you know maybe a different app or uh, apple tv maybe an updated version of that but uh thunderbolt display that would be the one i could think that they would maybe do this uh this go around there's gonna they're gonna announce some hardware but i i just feel like this other stuff if it's coming is going to be later in the year for some reason Okay.
0: How about a larger iPad? Obviously, we've talked about an iPad. Uh, what do we talk about? My iPad Pro. Do you think that? Do you think that's a possibility for right now?
1: No, I still think that would be later in this in the year
0: if they're going to announce that. All right. Well, either way, we're going to see some stuff tomorrow. It's uh, just a matter of what and what they decide that it was ready to get announced, and uh, we'll be talking about all of it that relates to uh, the mobile side on the show next week. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at the junkie dot com or give us a call two zero six two zero three three seven three four. We'll leave your uh, leave your voicemail there. We'll get it played on the next show, or uh, as Josh did here, just email in an audio file. We can certainly slip those in nice and easy. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at